I've come to bargain. What is happening? Just as you gave Kaecilius powers from your dimension, I brought a little power from mine. This is time. Endless, looped time. Ramamu, I've come to bargain. You cannot do this forever. Actually, I can. This is how things are now. You and me trapped in this moment endlessly. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the Tribe of Nerds. We are here to continue the Infinity Saga. Um, Doctor Strange and Guardians 2 tonight. They're going to be in separate podcasts for you guys. But uh, not only are Will and JJ and I here, we are joined by my boy uh, Kearney Shine uh, here to break everything down with us. So welcome. What's up? <laughs> Um, so, Kearney, uh, first things first, did you want to tell everybody kind of what your experience with Marvel and the MCU is? Um, yeah. I would say that I'm probably more of a casual fan, so when we actually get to arguing about Guardians 2, you could use that to completely throw everything I say out the window. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think the first one I saw was Captain America, which was a while back. Mm -hmm. And then my ex showed me Avengers, and I was like, holy shit, this is kind of, I like this, this is cool. And then after that, it was just whenever one came out, I would go see it and have a good time and kind of just go from there. So, yeah, I enjoy uh, Marvel. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, it. it's going to be interesting as well, because, I mean, we had Harrison on uh, a while back for Winter Soldier and Guardians, and Harrison's, like, a huge comic book nerd. So, I mean, this is going to be kind of the other end of the spectrum there but that's fine i think that it's like, gonna be yeah, cool I like the guy in the cave <laughs> <laughs> all right so kearney's going to have more to say on guardians too but will jj and i are going to still talk about doctor strange S first so because this is release order so what are your guys's impressions on this rewatch of doctor strange so the first time I watched Doctor Strange, like the very first time, I thought it was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was just blown away by the special effects the first time I watched it because mm -hmm. really it is like mind-bending, some of the uh, stuff that they throw in this movie. But on this rewatch, I think I had the realization of why I don't go back and watch this movie all the time because while the special effects are really cool, um, the plot's not bad. But, like, this is just a kind of middle-of-the-road Marvel movie overall. Um, yeah. I love Doctor Strange as a character, but, like, this isn't their best piece of work. It's nowhere near their worst. Just a solid film. Yeah. Well, first time I watched it, like, J.J., I was blown away with the special effects, and it was really cool. Uh, going into it the first time, I wasn't... I knew of Doctor Strange, but he was never really on my radar in terms of, like, heroes that I was jumping to, like, watch on the screen or anything. But after watching it, I was like, dang, this guy's pretty sweet. Like, it ended up, like, putting him on my radar and up on, higher on my list for, like, some of my favorite Marvel heroes. Mm -hmm. And then this, this most recent one, rewatch of it, watching it, and then after, like, just, I have this the mindset now of just, like, how powerful is Doctor Strange? Because I just after just watching WandaVision and seeing how she is, I was like, all right, let's see. 
let's stack them up let's see this and just watching it and i just think to myself i'm like this guy is just on a whole nother level compared to other people in terms of just power like you could talk about power scaling differently all you want but like right he is powerful and just watching it again and like jj said you know the second one you know putting the special effects aside plot nothing complex um i really enjoyed it you know this simple plot you know i don't know it's just something about this movie a simple plot was satisfying to me but then i didn't realize like how fast like it kind of like goes through his the journey in a sense because like one moment he's you know the surgeon and the accident and he's training, and then all of a sudden, where it felt like you're fighting Dormammu, and right. he's encountering Dormammu, and I'm just like, dang. It, I'm like, because I'm like, damn, we we got through this pretty kind of quick in a way, but like you know, the special effects it makes it feel longer in a lot of ways because there's like a lot of scenes where it's just pretty much just visual effects going on. Yeah, I agree. Um, I actually n- didn't see Doctor Strange when it was in theaters. I think I saw it. A- a year or two after it came out. I, I saw it before Infinity War, for sure, but I think, um, yeah, I, I didn't see it initially um, when it came out. Um, when I first saw it, uh, I was blown away by the visual effects, as we've said. I think that's where, where, what we're going to be saying this entire podcast is we're blown away by the special effects. Um, and on this rewatch, like special effects are still amazing, um, and that's probably why I give it a higher ranking. Um, yeah, the plot's simple. Um, I I feel like it, I do think it goes kind of fast, but also it's kind of like a little bit slow because it's trying to give you the feel of how long it's taken Strange to move through to becoming the Sorcerer Supreme a bit. Um, so that's kind of maybe, I guess, an issue I have with it, but I guess we can save that for when we get to the rankings, but Benedict Cumberbatch, um, I, I, we're going to talk about him very, very shortly, but. I mean, I, another perfect casting for Marvel. So, um, yeah. Um, let's move on to that the casting now. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, as Doctor Strange. What are your thoughts? And uh, he also played Dormammu as well. I will point that out. So, but <laughs> uh, Cumberbatch is honestly one of my favorite actors mm-hmm. um, in the in the business right now. He is amazing at this kind of role. I mean, we've seen him in other things uh, like being Smaug in the Hobbit trilogy or yeah. in Star Trek he, um, or, or Sherlock. Now we've got multiple Sherlocks in the MCU, but he is just an all-around amazing and versatile actor. Mm-hmm. He plays this arrogant jackass so well. Yeah. Um, like, you could believe that that's who he is in real life. <laughs> um, great casting. Uh, I love the way that he brings the character to life on screen, um, and he does fantastic voices for those big, powerful villains, too. So right. having him voice Dormammu as well was also a good choice on Marvel's, uh, Marvel's behalf. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Uh, Will? Oh, I'm, I thought they did a good job. Like you said, they nailed the casting on this. I just... Just everything about him in this movie, it's just, it just, like, because if you look image up images of Doctor Strange, like, from the different yeah. kind of comic art styles he has, and then just Ben in this, like, 
Spot like, on. It's Doctor Strange, like right there, like just appearance wise, and it's amazing. Like JJ said, the that attitude, the way he presents himself, it's right on the money. It's got a nice feel. And what I really liked about this movie, and like how they did it, he wasn't like an overbearing, cocky jackass. Because mm-hmm. like sometimes like movies like they'll do that to a point. It's like yeah, let's look at this guy. He's really cocky, and it's like really overbearing at times. So where it's just, it's like it loses its charm. Like you forget the like kind of like root for this guy but like the whole time not at once even when he was being cocky at some point like you were just like he's still a pretty solid dude like because he was like he was that cocky it was like he was cocky but he was backing up everything what he was saying you know? right because even like when he was taken out of his element he's learning this stuff once he got a grasp of just the magical field you saw him just take off running with it and like that's what i really loved that they didn't strip away um his ability to learn and conquer this field. And I love that about this movie. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, you really get the sense from Benedict as an actor that these roles he plays, like he's, he's a very intelligent person and a very intelligent actor. And like, that's why part of why he's the perfect choice for Dr. Strange, who's a very intelligent character. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed him, and even though he was just this arrogant, cocky asshole throughout, like, pretty much the entire movie, there was just some something about him that was still likable, which, that's hard to do. Um, so, they pulled it off in that sense, for sure. Um, and like JJ said, him voicing Dormammu, I like how it presents that it's the parallel between the hero and the villain that Benedict is playing both of them. So he's really, Dormammu, he's really having to face himself. So I think that's a really cool, yeah, a really cool parallel. So um, then let's move on. So then we've got, I really want to talk about this character, Chuatel Ejafor, I believe is the actor's name. Hopefully I'm not botching that as Mordo. I really like Mordo in this movie and kind of like where he goes from being like super loyal to the Ancient One and being like, okay, I respect her teachings and... I don't believe anything that Strange is telling me about what, like, what she's actually up to behind the scenes. And then when he finds out that she's been drawing power from the dark dimension, he's like, everything I've been living is a lie. Um, the natural order is being broken, and I can't follow this path anymore. So I really, really enjoyed uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor's performance as Mordo and journey as a character in this movie. Yeah, I agree with you, Jake. Um, I... I like that they introduce this concept of the character as he is unbendable mm-hmm. and he has this idea, he's going to follow it no matter what, and then they deliver on that. He changed from everyone. Uh, like, it, he stopped following the Ancient One. He stopped following Strange at, mm-hmm. at the end because he was following his own path. He truly was his own character, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times the protagonist of the story can take over and other characters will move around them, but this wasn't the case here. Um, very well done. I'm interested to see how he comes up in Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Um, my only complaint with his character is the whole idea of natural law. I would like to know more about what that is, mm-hmm. and I imagine we'll get that as we bring him in as more of a antagonist type character right um but like they're dealing with magic 
isn't it all a violation of natural law? Right. Or is it just time? Or like, I don't know. I'd like more explanation on that. But we've got more Doctor Strange coming. So yeah. we may get that still. Right. I can agree with that. I mean, it's. I think there's more to be explored with Mordo for sure. And I'm glad that, that uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is confirmed for Doctor Strange too. So, um, uh, Will, what's your thoughts on Mordo? Mordor, like you guys were saying, I mean, I enjoy this character. I like how, like JJ said, he, it was unbendable. It was like, here's this character that's not going to be just pulled into this orbit of our main protagonist. And then, like, pretty much he, but, like, he wasn't, it wasn't like he was so, so much of a stiff that it broke common sense because obviously, you know, like Dormammu was a threat. Like he realized, like almost as most other people would realize, I kind of have no choice in this matter, which I liked. I am glad they at least let him tolerate it enough to where he was still helping because it made the most sense because it's still, because then if he like were to tell strange, no on that, he would be violating the main core, you know, like job of the path that he is following, of protecting the natural order of things and the natural law, you know, if he let Dormammu go. So I'm glad they, like, at least let him help it out. But I liked how he resisted. Like, he made it clear that I'm not doing it because of our friendship or because, you know, I agree with your plan. I'm doing it just because of the mere fact of I also had this promise of I'm not letting Dormammu, you know, take over this world. This is my job. But I don't like the way we're going about it. And as soon as it was done, he realized, you know, all right, this ain't for me anymore. Nobody's walking the path that I thought they were. I'm going to go on my own. And I think that it's really cool and that this movie does a good job. It's setting up for future plans. Um, I really don't got a lot of complaints with him. Just because, again, he was just, he was already from the get-go a character, like, when you saw the direction it was going, it's like, okay, this is going to be a character they're going to shelve for a bit. So it's like, you got enough of him to kind of establish motive for future movies, mm-hmm. especially since they're going with the antagonist route. But they didn't reveal too much to where you're just like, oh, he was halfway through his arc already. No, they they just showed you this is his arc starting now. We're going to get to it later. And I loved it. For sure. I, yeah. And we're going to get to the post credit scene later with him. Um, but we're going to, we really get a sense at the end of it, like what his plan is going to be. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the second one. So, uh, then uh, an actress that I think was very underused in this movie. She's a fantastic actress, Rachel McAdams as Christine Palmer. Um, I really wish she was used better. See, I actually really liked having Rachel McAdams in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel McAdams is a very good actress. She really is. And mm-hmm. I've got no complaints with um, her performance in other movies. Mm-hmm. But it also was nice to see her in kind of this supporting actress role, which I think she did a really nice job of. Um, yeah. There were some delicate emotional, well, just some delicate emotions going on between her and Strange. Mm-hmm. And I think she pulled off that whole um, emotional side of that really, really well. Um, I've got no complaints from her character. I really liked the chemistry between her and Benedict Cumberbatch. Agreed. I, just, I guess I'm saying that I just wish we had more of it, but if possible. But, you know, I, 
it's we I don't know how else they could have done it with everything that they had going on. But uh, well, what are your thoughts on Rachel McAdams' performance? I actually think they used her just the right amount, and I think having that feeling of wanting more is a good thing mm-hmm. because it was it's like it's almost like eating a Girl Scout cookie. <laughs> like you have like one thin mitt and you're just like you have that taste in your mouth and you're just like I really could go for another one but um do you not usually dude, <laughs> I go down a whole sleeve and a whole box of Girl Scout cookies in one sitting it's a problem but anyways I, I liked how they didn't try to force her into this plot mm-hmm. more than what they did she had a role she fitted up there they had that scene where, you know, he, she's performing surgery on him and they're fighting on the astral plane. That was a really cool scene. But I liked how they didn't force her into it. Like, if I feel like her character would have gotten worse if, like, they tried to, like, shoehorn her in here. Because, like, think about, like, the whole movie of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Other than the scenes like she was in, where else are you going to put her and Strange's chemistry together? That's fair. There? I yeah. Tell me, like, how that's not going to put, like, a big strain on everything else going on. That's fair. So, for, like... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to just say to your point, too, um, she served as a great way to bring us back to the real world and yeah. remind us of how strange <laughs> Doctor Strange's world is, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but that's what I, I, I think Marvel, this was another, Marvel like can do pretty good at times. At They are, actually, I've said it before, like, they're pretty good at, like, knowing when to, like, put a limit on how much they use a character of. There are times they miss, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're perfect at it, but when they nail it, they know how to nail it. Mm -hmm. And, like, they did a great job with her character, used her enough. All right, we're done. We don't need to force this relationship anymore. You got it by now, like, how how well-connected they are. We Mm -hmm. don't need to explore this anymore because that's not what Strange is about. You, You didn't go to watch Doctor Strange for the romance or any kind of romantic relationship right yeah i agree with that uh, now that you guys kind of talk about it more um i was rachel mcadams confirmed for multiverse of madness um i can't remember i do not know i don't know i have to i'll have to check that out um after the podcast and just make sure but I thought she might have been confirmed, but I guess we don't know what role she would play in a movie that's probably going to be even more packed. So, um, you know. So, all right. Um, I think this big discussion... So let's talk about Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One, but I think I think we have to talk about kind of more the bigger conversation about it, which is in the comics, uh, she... It, it was actually an old, old Asian gentleman uh, that... Uh, is the ancient one, um, and they changed uh, race and origins um, for and background for this movie in the MCU. Um, so I guess what are your guys' thoughts on that? Because I guess it was a big controversy at the time that Marvel whitewashed this character. I... Okay, so... Um, a lot of times Marvel does change how characters are in the comics and on screen. Mm-hmm. We've seen that with a bunch of different characters. Um, for example, Nick Fury is one great example. Nick, Nick Fury historically has been a white character, right. but then they cast Samuel L. Jackson, and now they're basing the comic books off of Samuel L. Jackson's Nick right. Fury. 
which is super awesome. I personally don't know how much whitewashing happened here. I've not read up on this. Right. Um, so I could be totally wrong. But to me, this seems like another take on a character. I think Tilda Swinton played the iteration that they had very well. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I also see very easily how it could be difficult to take on a white character in, uh, I think they're in Nepal. Like, it's in a Nepali sanctuary. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like they should be mostly um, mostly Southeast Asians. Right. But, so I get... I think it could go either way. I mean, it, it really depends on the motivations and reason behind why they chose to cast Tilda Swinton. Yeah, I I guess I don't know the background on that, so like that might be something to look up as why they cast her. But Will, you're the one who like brought up this discussion point, so I I want to give you time to speak on it, of course. Yeah, because I remember when this, uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about this, and the big thing that the issue a lot of people were having, they were like was this another chance for a minority to get their chance to grow in Hollywood? Because mm-hmm. you had a, you had a character that was perfect to like, where you could dive into the minority of Hollywood more and give somebody either get, you know, like a well-known actor or let a new actor come in and like, you know, grow and start a new trend. And then they, you know, they cat asked her and not only did they, they, in the sense, uh, change the race. They also changed the origin background, which mm-hmm. in a sense actually makes sense, which I think is pretty, in a way it was much better than simply just trying to say, Hey, this white, this white girl, it has Asian background, you know, like, cause that would have been, that would have been worse. <laughs> that would be almost like, you know, avatar, you know, that oh. night Shyamalan avatar movie. Oh geez. <laughs> Don't bring that up. <laughs> changed it so it was like she had a celtic background Mm -hmm. and then she traveled to the monastery you know so they kind of edit to where it that's why you would see her in this scenario in the setting but like the whole thing with whitewashing it like the reason why i brought it up was because this was like at least to my knowledge the first time a marvel movie got accused of it right because like you've heard like of this like thing going on because like this was the first time it was accused, and then that's when it just pretty much opened that can and put the spotlight on them, and then everybody's going through the rest of the movie. Like, all the other past movies of, oh, where did they go wrong with this, and then this, like this. And JJ, like you brought up, nobody talks, like, you know, it's funny, like, how people, you know, talk about it, like, that way, in terms of whitewashing. But then you have someone like Nick Fury that did the opposite. But, you know, like, and there's no... There's no uproar about it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and like, I get like the whole like, you know, you know, the the reason why it's an issue. I do think it is an issue in a lot of cases. But like, it's so it's interesting because you have to balance out of like that whole as annoying as it could be for people, you know, to hear it is like best actor for the job. You know, who could play the role the best? You know, and then fit. But then when you change a character to fit a casting like at what point like on like that's like that that to me is where like that line gets really thin where you're telling the you change the character to fit a casting rather than just simply cast somebody to fit the character you know 
Right. Because, I mean, like, we're not comparing, like, the ancient one Nick Fury here, you know, in the sense of Samuel Jackson is a Samuel L. Jackson. Like, he's a very, very good actor. Like, to me, that's crazy that, like, not only did they change the character, they didn't just, like, you know, change the character. Like, the, I mean, they did change the character, like JJ said. After he became Nick Fury, from then on, every uh, version of Nick Fury started looking similar to Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. That point out, point out. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess, like, my thing, I will say that from this point forward now, Marvel is, the MCU is diversifying their casting much more. We're getting, we're going to get many more diverse movies. I mean, Black Panther, obviously, and then we're going to get Shang-Chi soon. We're going to get um, many other uh, uh, people of color uh, actors in the MCU coming up. Um, and uh, LGBT representation as well. So, I mean, I, I think I think that this was something definitely that needed to be talked about. Um, I think moving forward, I think Marvel's definitely learned from it, and they're definitely improving on having more diversity going forward. Yeah, now that, but then, like, on the side of that, you got the fan base and the people out there who are like, oh, now you're just pandering, you know? Because it's like, it's one of those situations where, now they're in this weird hole where they're not going to win regardless. Mm. You know, just because that's just the nature of how things are nowadays. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. It's like, if you diversify, people think you're just pandering. But you don't do that, then you're whitewashing. You know, you're just... Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just the nature of how it is, like, of the, the, the world we're living in now, because we're still... Because everybody's changing in the sense of, our priorities in the sense and what we deem important and what we deem fair and correct that now it's just, I think we're, I think it's going in a direction where now Hollywood's like, Hollywood's going to like really is in trouble in a lot of ways. Yeah. It, it, it's just a matter of you you can't make everybody happy. Right. You know? And I think that's a problem. Uh, that's just the thing that you're, you can't avoid. One nice side effect of the diversification of um, MCU movies, at least nice in my opinion, not so much to everyone, is that uh, historically um, the uh, white hero-centered comics have been more popular. Mm-hmm. So out of this, we're getting a lot of characters that are, have not been as historically popular right. on the big screen, like Ironheart. Or Shang-Chi. Yes. Characters I've never heard about. And that's really cool. I want to see more of these characters that I've never seen or heard about. Um, And that's just one side effect of it that I think is cool. But, Will, I totally agree with you. Hollywood is in this weird place. Like, How can they diversify without seeming like they're doing it just to do exactly that? How do they do it in a natural and organic way? It's hard to now create characters who simply are who they are mm-hmm. and without people reading into it further. Like Black Panther, he always has been black. There's no way for his character not to be black. Right. That doesn't need to be part of it. That is simply who Black Panther is. Right. It's simply his culture. Um, so I, it, it's a weird, weird place. But like real quick before like we move on on this. But yeah. Like, yeah. You want to do that like as at the same time though. The big thing that was made Black Panther so amazing is 
now you finally just have this minority main protagonist and the impact like we seen after rest in peace after his passing right the amount of impact he had huge on just the whole community you know like that can't go you know without being said like just how important that is to like just a children like to children mm-hmm. like seeing yes. somebody that looks like you Agreed. idolizing them like that can't be that can't go without being said like if you think that that doesn't have an impact on kids growing up you're just being foolish and right. so it's not just like it's that you have to like at some point understand like it's not just pandering it's important that like these different groups and different groups of people have their idols because if not what else are they going to look up to right because so far the only thing like so far like in a lot of sense and historically for a while you know before this the moment before you know these movies in the sense there was negative stereotypes going on around hollywood and if you have no positive idols and no movies you know to change that all you're doing is just showing a world of this is pretty much the only lifestyle that exists for you right right it is an issue um i think we should move on though um because we have a lot to get to still tonight um so just real quick i did want to say tilda swinton still gives a good performance even with like the change of everything i still really really enjoyed her especially on this rewatch um so i just wanted to say that with everything we said so yeah i like tilda swinton um i don't think she steals the show or anything no but but she plays the role she's given really well um solid performance yeah. Nothing nothing to complain about, nothing particularly praiseworthy. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, ditto. I mean, solid. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll move on. Uh, we've got Benedict Juan as Juan. <laughs> um, yeah, you only get a few things from Juan, um, and you get a couple of jokes that I guess get paid off by the end of it. Um, I still really like Juan. Um for the little bit we get of him and we're going to get bits and pieces in Infinity War and Endgame, of course. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess I don't know what other role Juan is going to play moving forward in the MCU with, you know, I mean, it, is he just going to be, cause in the comics, Juan is just, is what he is in the movies. The strangest sidekick basically is. I, I do like kind of the purpose Juan serves for um, like how, Strange interacts with this new world that he's in. Yeah. Because um, uh, Strange very quickly uh, overtakes most of the people there in terms of uh, ability as a sorcerer. Right. But but Wong is clearly his superior in like general knowledge of the lore of the multiverse and everything. And it sort of humanizes Strange a little bit because, yes, he's got just this peerless ability to learn but he is still a fledgling sorcerer and like at the end where he's like you may have uh been using the um the time stone but you still have much to learn and like that was a great little bit like yeah he's this kick-ass sorcerer but who he's super freaking new yeah agreed and yeah i yeah well you have anything else to say on juan to me, Juan just felt more like he was just that, that guy that helped explain to the audience, you yeah. know, 
you know, the world that was going on in a sense. You know, like he was just that character of, okay, this is happening here. We're going to have a moment we'll want. He's going to kind of break it down simply. But he, they played it off in a way he was still teaching Strange. So, like, it, it kind of was in the sense of as we were learning what the hell was going on, so was Strange. So it was nice. Um, not, you know, not a lot for me to, you know, really love him. Not enough for me to hate him. Yeah. I think he was, I think he was just like JJ said, he was a nice tool in this movie. Keep Strange a little bit humble, but also at the same time, fill the audience in with the world that's growing in a much, much larger <laughs> than yeah. it's ever had in any other previous movie. Right. And nothing won with that. Oh, Jake. <laughs> you know, I had to. That was bad. Yeah, it was. Really bad. It was. Nothing with your head, dude. <laughs> All right. Well, I had to do a bad pun. Um, we'll see how many come through throughout the night. Uh, you make me want to fight you one on one. <laughs> okay. Well. I did not sign up for this. All right. Well, I think I think that's it for our puns. Okay. Um, let's talk, and then we get a little bit of Benjamin Bratt as Pangborn. We're gonna talk about that post credit scene Latin in a little Benjamin's. bit. Yeah, ben, a lot of like yeah. Ben, you know, Ben's. Yeah, I mean, with Pangborn, the only thing of note is that he leads Doctor Strange to Comertage. That's basically it. With like that story of him, you know, breaking his, being a guy with broken legs and whatnot, and being disabled, and then you know being able to walk, and so that leads Strange to where he needs to be. So, but. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Pangborn in the post-credit, but that, um, and then let's talk about, uh, Mads Mikkelsen a little bit as Kaecilius, as the antagonist with Dormammu, um, and we're gonna rank him later on, but I, I enjoyed some of Mads, Mik Mads Mikkelsen's performance, I think he's a good actor, I think he could have been used a little bit more, but that's just, he's kind of another one of those villains where it's like, they had potential, and he's like, to me, he's one of the last villains because we're going to get to some heavy hitters in the next few weeks as we continue talking where we're going to get some really great villains. And unfortunately, Caecilius is one of those that's just kind of like the last of those kind of one note villains as I see him. So, yeah, I really like Mads Mikkelsen. Um, he kind of gets typecast yeah. into this exact role. Um, the kind of conniving strategic antagonist. Yeah. Um, which he plays that role really well. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with him getting put into that. But yeah, I, um, Stephen Strange got like thrust into this fight that was not his to begin with. Right. And that's a, that's a really cool way to pull in the hero. I like that he like all of a sudden oh my gosh now i'm in this fight between good and evil defending the multiverse defending the world from cosmic powers what's going on but then we don't get a whole lot of development into that um we do but like it's kind of rushed it's a little bit sloppy kaecilius's character is like from the beginning shunted as being straight up evil when yeah. really like he might have had more of like more depth to him. Um, I think that he could have had more of a, like, is he really that bad vibe to him that they didn't play with much. So just some lost potential, but no complaints with the accents. Yeah. Mr. Doctor. 
he was the wrong character to try to get comedy out of. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I liked it. Like JJ said, gets typecast, but for like a good reason. Like, if he didn't, I actually enjoyed like when he wasn't speaking, and it sounds crazy because it's just like his presence on it and like every fight is just he looked intimidating, and I like that. Yeah. Is especially was because I think where it got actually got a little bit ruined for me was when he was like you know talking to Strange and trying to like in a sense persuade him to come over. Yeah. Which, I'm not saying it was a bad thing to do, but like with just how little of like this character we had, I don't I don't know, just something about it. It just kind of like lessened him for me. Yeah. But like other than that, like I enjoyed his presence on the screen. I mean, I enjoyed his banter with the Ancient One. Yeah. Than Strange. Because that's where the chemistry and the, that history was, you know? Right. I think maybe what it was was I think his, like, banter with Strange was a little bit too long. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I felt like that dragged out a little bit. Agreed. But honestly, for just... For the what he was in terms of just being, like, in sense, Dorm or Mamu's avatar, like, his, like on this on their, their physical plane, in a sense... Or in their in their in their world, mm-hmm. in a sense, I liked it. Not like when there wasn't a lot after uh, after that one banter. Pretty much just fight, fight. He was there whenever he showed up. You knew something was going down, and I liked it because he felt more of a like the puppet tool. He was just the tool, of Dormammu, and I liked it. I I honestly wish they would do some of their like more blander villains like that. Because at least then it would get him to do something because he was threatening. He didn't say much. And for as little as, like, you know, background we had, you know, it was intriguing enough to where I'm like, hey, maybe I want to know more. But, like, when he when we, there was no talking, he was fighting. I was like, yeah, okay, this dude is scary. Like, yeah. He's doing stuff. And I enjoyed him. Uh, but, like, I'm not going to say he's, like, not going to, like, don't take this. I'm, I'm catapulting him, like, right. high in the ranking. But I don't think he's, like, in terms of, like... Because we've said other villains are bland. Yeah. He's bland in probably in a good way, in my opinion. I really don't need to know too much about this guy. Because he doesn't talk much. Yeah. I can agree with that. I mean, once we get to the villain rankings, I think he might be the best of, like, the one-note villains, I would say. So, um... I guess we'll talk about that more when we get to the rankings. Um, the last, like, conversation point before I get to the post-credits and all the Easter eggs is the Time Stone and the ramifications. We get that this is, you know, the Time Stone, whenever it's being used, that it breaks natural law, and things get messed up because of it, basically. And I know this didn't, the Infinity Saga didn't really have time to go more into detail on that, um, but we know that coming up with phase four, like specifically with Loki, the Loki series, we're going to get more detail on how like the time travel and all this has like affected things and how consequences are going to come into play. So what are your guys thoughts though on, you know, ramifications of the time stone? Uh, It makes me want to see the other infinity stones used by themselves more. Right. Because um, we got all the Infinity Stones at once. Um, we got a fair amount of the Space Stone through 
it being used by Red Skull to power the Hydra weapons and a little bit of it in Avengers. Um, but beyond that, we don't get much out of the rest of them. And right. it would be nice to see like that power dynamic. Um, because, you know, Kaecilius hopelessly outmatched Strange. He right. really did. Um, without the Time Stone, Strange would not have been able to do anything about the events going down in this movie. Right. Well, they would have lost, yeah. They, yeah. Because it was over by the time they got there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, to answer your question, Baruby, I think whenever you bring in time manipulation, time travel, it really can, it by nature, it's going to make things very messy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's just like, oh, you kind of like open yourself up to a lot of plot holes if you don't establish like a very rigid rule system to how said time manipulation works. Mm-hmm. But with the time stone, it's like one of those more ancient power sets, very like in itself, very powerful in itself. Because like you've seen, it not in not only did it mess up, like you know, like it, it just it messed up Dormammu, like and people who know Dormammu is no joke. Yeah. But this one Infinity Gem was the key to, you know, tripping up Dormammu. Right. But I think, I think for in the sense of this is the best case, because, I mean, we don't see a lot of time. We don't until later on in Endgame, you know, Mm -hmm. where we deal with more time traveling. Right. And it's not even with the gem, you know, too. That's the funny thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, what they did in Strange, I think, is probably one of the cleanest they could have been with time traveling. Like, it's still met. Oh, not time traveling, but time manipulation. Right. But even then, it like you know, by nature, it's a little messy. I kind of dug it. Um, in terms of ramifications, I don't know because it really, they're like changing like what it means. Because remember, during Endgame, they're like, oh, you could change the past, but it doesn't you know really change the future. You just create a whole new like. Alternate timeline, yeah. So it's like, how much is the time stone really affecting in all this? You don't know, and that's why I think it's just kind of a, a blah right now. I can't really tell like what the ramifications are going to be from Strange because at this point, literally all we saw him do was go back like a few moments, fix the building, and then he created a time loop. We don't even know how long this quote unquote time loop lasted. Right. We don't. We just see a montage of him getting killed over and over again, but we don't know how long that went. So you you, you can't really tell what their implications are going to be, even though they were like, you mess with time, you're going to like, you know, put everybody in grave danger. And But all the, the most we saw was just like, we went bad. I don't know. Like it, it's, it's kind of a mess. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to probably... At least, maybe Josh, Gabe, and I at some point are going to talk about, like, the ramifications maybe with the Loki show, but, um, we'll see. Um, okay, so we're, now we're going to get into our post-credits and Easter eggs and stuff. Um, so our two post-credits, the first one is seizing Thor Ragnarok, Doctor Strange and Thor talking, um, about, you know, Thor's trying to find Odin and, uh, Strange finds Loki a threat. And, yeah, so Strange is like, I'm going to help you, Thor, and that's, you know, we're going to see this in Ragnarok. Um, what were your guys' thoughts, like, just seeing this back at that? This was, like, a year before Ragnarok came out, so. Um, seeing it on this rewatch made me realize how played out 
this trope of powerful characters having pissing matches with each other is. Yeah. Um, although I like it in this movie. I like this, this little cutscene. It seems very authentic to these two characters. Um, I, I like seeing Strange really assume the role of Sorcerer Supreme here. He's like, I'm keeping a watch on everything that's going on. Like, Strange is the only person who can really rival Iron Man in terms of his world-watching, world-defending abilities. Um, and, like, he's taking that on right now. He's messing around with the gods. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well. I liked it, and it made me, like, kind of, like, wonder, like, how much time has passed since the end of, you know, the, of the main movie, of, like, after he just, you know, dealt with Dormammu. How much time was passed before this interaction was? Obviously, you could say... Because, what, you said it was about a year before Ragnarok came out. Yeah. So, it, like, you know, in terms of, like, universe-wise, are we saying that a year passed? Because, that like, that would explain more of his more mature and, like how Jay just said, embracing that role. Because, yeah. like, it, it caught me off guard at first. I'm like, dude, you just took on this and you're already, like, kind of talking to Thor like this? Okay. I knew you were cocky, but, like, holy shit, man. <laughs> But, like, thinking about it, of like, if a year passed and he had a year under his belt of even, like, honing his skills and magic and the time stone more, like, I can see how he is so poised, like, while talking to Thor on this and why he is so well-knowledged. And so I really liked it, honestly. Like JJ said, it was kind of cool to see them, you know, kind of feel each other out in a sense. And because, yeah. like, on the one hand, you got the God of Thunder, Thor, and then you just, who's talking to this guy who, like, because, like, you could kind of see Thor is in the sense of, like, a little, like, I don't know this guy, but he seems to know a lot about me and my brother. So that puts Thor at unease. And it, I really like that. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I, I believe they've said, uh, I believe Kevin Feige or someone has said that this took place over a year, like, the movie's events. And it would kind of... I guess it makes sense for Strange to need, like, a year to learn everything and become the Sorcerer Supreme. And I, I guess I got that sense from this movie that it took a little bit for the events to happen. Um, so I, I would say that it goes from 2016 to 2017, and then, you know... Because generally MCU movies are generally taking place in the year they're released for... At least until Endgame, but... Um, so... All right, and then the second post credit scene we we talked about a little bit, um, but in with Mordo and stuff. But Mordo comes in and uh, it is uh, Pangborn's like, "What are you doing here?" And then Mordo is like, "I noticed the problem. There's too many sorcerers, and he steals Pangborn's power, and that's helping him walk." And so, teasing what Mordo's plan is for the future. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice way to uh, bring in, like, just drop some hints about what could happen in the next movie. But I I just, again, I just don't know how they're going to balance that in Multiverse of Madness. Right. Like, maybe they're going to leave that for a slow burn, bring that back in a while, um, which would totally be fine. Um, But leaving it open-ended like that is totally fine. Yeah, Will's made this point a few times. They know how to shelf characters and bring them back. Like the Hulk, he disappeared after Ultron. We didn't see him again until Ragnarok. Right, exactly. Other 
that's a whole nother complaint because Hulk needs his own movie, but one that's with Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> but all right, uh, Will, your thoughts no, on this? Just pretty much, I agree with JJ. You know what I've said before. I've said it, you know, multiple times. So no need to go on about that. Yeah. All right, the Stan Lee cameo. Uh, Strange and Wardo are getting away from Kaecilius. They try to go through a portal, but Kaecilius in the mirror dimension, and Kaecilius stops that, and they hit it, hit a bus, and Stan Lee is reading a book, and he's like, "This is hilarious," and uh, he's the book is called Doors of Perception, um, so it's kind of just fitting with the Doctor Strange theme. Um, it's an all right Stan Lee cameo, I think. Still. The Tony Stank one from Civil War is still the best one. Um, I think the one coming up that we're going to talk about, Guardians Two, is really good too for the, like the the lore of the MCU. Oh gee, how am I going to get home? <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, Yo, real quick though, do you know what the Doors of Perception is about? No, you, you want to enlighten us, Kearney? Boy, do I! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's autobiographical mm -hmm. i think it is um but it's about this dude who i assume is the person who wrote the book that's mm -hmm. aldous huxley um basically his whole theory was like yo um drugs change how you perceive things i'm gonna do all of them and then write about how I'm, how much i've learned and it's just him trying everything under the sun getting blasted and being wow. like my brain is open now i'm like yeah i bet it is dude that's crazy. That would be an ambulance review. Interesting. Nice. That's really, really cool. And I mean, you can kind of tell that, uh, that it kind of There's seems like Strange is going through a wild trip. Right <laughs> the more you know. Yeah, that was really good. Um, okay, and then Easter eggs that I found uh, before we get to our rankings. Uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum, obviously, we get to see that. Um, they do mention early on in the movie before Strange gets in the car accident that there is an Air Force colonel with a spinal injury. Is that Rhodey? Is that War Machine? Are we... Is that a tease back to Civil War a movie ago? Um, I never even thought about that. Yeah. So, I think they're alluding to that that just happened, and if Strange... I mean, we know that Rhodey was able to get something that made it so he could at least walk, but... I know this isn't an Easter egg, but I don't know why, but like, I just, I think maybe because I was seeing so many trailers for like the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, <laughs> thing, but like they were talking about one of the injuries about someone getting struck by lightning. I was like, the Flash? And I was like, no, nah, that, that's a weird Easter egg. That wouldn't be a thing. I don't know why, but that was the first thing because like that was the one he was considering about taking. He's like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I'm just like. Like, yeah. Are they doing a flash thing? They mentioned struck by lightning and forever. Whenever oh, yeah, 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 yeah. struck by lightning, I'm like, oh, they're talking about the flash because nobody else gets struck by lightning. Right. Yeah, that's true. I... Not. I know it probably isn't, but that's the only thing that I was <laughs> like a flash reference, huh? Right. Yeah. And we got a lot of magical magic artifacts uh, references. The Staff of the Living Tribunal. Um, I Will, you probably know more about who the Living Tribunal is, but um, what what exactly is the Living Tribunal? There, like, fuck, that's old, old, like, another one of those upper of celestial <laughs> kind of deal. Yeah. Just another one of them. I'm not, I, I will be lying, I'm, I'm not 100% familiar with everything, but, like, 
the tribe, the living tribunal is like. I remember correctly, not. No, it's not. No, it's not the one I'm thinking of. It's somebody different. Yeah, well, we know it's a Celestial Bean, so... And we are going to mention Celestials. We're going to talk more about Celestials in Guardians 2, so... um, And Eternals, of course, that's coming up. Um, uh, Vaulting Boots of uh, Voltor, um, the Book of Cagliostro, um, the Eye of Agamotto, um, obviously Stranger's Cloak of Levitation, the Wand of Otum. They just roll off the tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the mindless ones, so when, uh, Kaecilius and the other zealots get picked up after Strangers, like, oh, I just made a deal with Dormammu, they turn into mindless ones, so that's a really interesting thing, um, because you can see their, like, bodies turn, like, black, and they're, you know, they have, like, a singular eye when they're going up. Um, what, what were you gonna say? No, I was just saying, Cthulhu. Um... And then uh, Daniel Drum, I believe, who was the guy that Caecilius killed in the New York Sanctum, I believe he is related to Brother Voodoo in the comics. Um, So I found that interesting. Uh, That's a character that they could... uh, uh, Brother Voodoo is a character they could put in, like, Multiverse of Madness. We don't know. Um, Voodoo. (laughs) So that's what I have for that. I have a lot more for Guardians 2. So... Right, because it's one of your favorites, Jake. Yeah, hey, I found a, I found quite a few for this, but... Um, Alright, well, let's head into our villain rankings. So, this is the first time that Kearney's gonna hear what we have for villain rankings and movie rankings so far. Um, keep in mind that we have not gotten to the later uh, Phase 3 movies yet, so obviously, you know, Thanos isn't on the list yet, so... And a lot of the heavy hitters that we're going to get to. Okay, so what we have so far. Number one, Ultron. Uh, 5.3 out of 6. Uh, number two, we have Alexander Pierce from Winter Soldier at a 5.15. Then we have Loki from Thor, because we have Loki on here twice because of Avengers, uh, at a 5.13. Uh, then Red Skull uh, at a 4.75. Um, do you want me to spoil? I know Will's seen it, but... Uh, I, I, I don't care if you do. Okay, I'll spoil WandaVision. Uh, Agatha Harkness, it was Agatha all along, is at number five at a, with a 4.67. Um, and then number six, we have Ironmonger and his box of scraps from Iron Man at a 4.5. Uh, Ronan the Accuser from the first Guardians at a 4.35. Uh, Loki from Avengers is at number eight with a 4.3. Then we've got uh, Zemo from Civil War at a 4.23. Then rounding out the top 10 right now is Yellow Jacket from Ant-Man at a 3.8. Then we've got Aldrich Killian from Iron Man 3 at a 3.58. Then Abomination from Incredible Hulk at a 3.5. Whiplash and his bird from Iron Man 2 at 3.23. Then Sword Director Tyler Hayward from WandaVision at a 2.83. Then Malkith the Dark Elf from Dark World at 1.87. And Justin Hammer from Iron Man 2 dancing into last place at 1.83. So that is what we have so far. So now we're gonna rank. Yeah. Yeah, So it's gonna become more of a mouthful as we finish. (laughs) Um, So Caecilius and Dormammu they go hand in hand. 
So, Will, JJ, and I are going to rank this. Kearney's going to set out this ranking, I think, and then obviously come back for when we get to Guardians 2. Um, so, for Kaisilis and Dormammu, I agree with Will. Like, he was intimidating, at least. He killed people. I mean, and it was he was better when he wasn't speaking, um, probably. Um, I think uh, Dormammu obviously raises his ranking a little bit because, I mean for the limited time we got to Armamu, you get the sense of how powerful he is. Um, uh, and it takes the cleverness of Strange to stop Dormammu, but Dormammu's still out there. So I give Kaecilius and Dormammu a 4.3. Um, I, I think, I think honestly, like, Kaecilius is the best of the one-note villains. I would probably put him, like, above Yellow Jacket from Ant-Man. Um, and that's kind of where I, I would put him. But, so, Yeah. That's what I have for Tysilius and Dormammu. Yeah, Jake, I agree with you. Um, Tysilius is alright, Dormammu's alright. They kind of feel like, they feel very formulaic for Marvel villains at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, They they don't get much of their own development. They serve mostly to drive the plot for good, like the good versus evil. So, I mean... Solid villain, so I'm just gonna say four point four point four seems pretty fitting. Yeah. Alright, well uh, I'm gonna give them uh four point six. I like that number. Hmm. Uh, I like it for the mere fact of just seeing him as an avatar for Dormammu. I mean, I vented about, uh, like, you know, what I didn't like about him, but I liked him, how intimidating, and just how he was just a weapon. Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as for Dormammu, what I what makes me rank it high, or, like, you know, pretty solidly, in a sense, is because Dormammu lost because he chose to lose. Because he was just annoyed with Strange. And I yeah. think, and as much of it as it, it's been a meme the reality of it all is still pretty impressive. It's just like, this guy was so powerful that you just, like, he just chose to walk away because he was just annoyed with this little ant that was bugging him. But in reality, Dormammu had this victory. And so I got to get points for that. I'll give it a 4.6. It's not any higher just for the mere fact. It's almost like we just hit the tip of the iceberg for Dormammu. And I feel like if he was to be a later Marvel villain and they put more time into it, I feel like he could, he has potential because of just how big and powerful and his biggest presence is on the wor- Marvel world mm-hmm. universe. He could be up in that Thanos uh, tier level. Right. So, but 4.6 for me. All right, that gives Dormammu 4.43. He is officially under Ironmonger and above Ronin the Accuser. He is at number seven right now. So a little higher than we thought, but I think I'm fine with that, honestly. Yeah, Yeah. in my mind, I had him around the same level as with Ronin in my mind. I kind of like them both around the same. Yeah, so I I think this is fitting for right here. I mean, I think also factoring Dormammu in with Kaecilius helps, so... I mean, oh yeah. So, for sure. All right. So that is where it stands right now. Then we'll move on to our movie slash just MCU project rankings because we're including shows in there when they're finished. Um, so Doctor Strange. So right now our standings are number one, uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, five point six six. 
then the first Avengers, uh, 5.53. Then WandaVision is in third with a 5.5. Then Captain America Civil War at a 5.38. And rounding out the top five is Captain America, the first Avenger, at a 5.23. So all three Captain Americas are in the top five right now. Um, And then Avengers Age of Ultron at a 5.07. Then Iron Man at a 4.87. Then Guardians of the Galaxy at a 4.69. Then Iron Man 3 at a 4.08. And rounding out the top 10, Ant-Man at a 3.97. Then Thor, 3.83. Then Incredible Hulk, 3.6. Iron Man 2 at a 3.17. And Thor Dark World staying in last place at a 2.97. So, yeah, um... So for Doctor Strange, I think the visual effects, we've said it over and over again, are astounding. Um, I They really help propel this movie up for me. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is perfect. Um, I like Tilda Swinton's performance. Again, not like game-changing, but I still like the performance. You have Rachel McAdams in here, and I guess after talking to you guys about it, she I guess I don't know what else she could have done in the movie that would make sense. Um, so you got some talent in here. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen could have been used better, but I mean, and I guess the plot is kind of so-so. So I'll give it a five. Um, visual effects definitely propel it up, but I won't be upset if it goes in like the fours, like if you guys give it like fours or somewhere in there too. So yeah, Jake, I agree about a bit the effects, um, particularly the car accident scene. Yeah. Like, holy crap. That was well done and scary. Yeah. Um, but a, a couple of major things for this movie. The fight scene camera work is actually really sloppy, even as Marvel movies go. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they spent much time focused on that and the yeah. development of this one. And the humor, um, this is not a movie that needed the humor in it, it really didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the humor they tried to fit in here fell flat for me. Um, I mean, it kind of made sense in character for Doctor Strange to try to be witty and humorous, particularly like with Wong, new people he's showing off, but uh, it just didn't work. So, I mean, good movie overall. So, 4.75 I think is pretty fitting. It delivered, but they had some flaws. Yeah. Uh, try me, Beyonce. Alright. Alright, well. Um. I'm gonna give it... A f- I'm gonna I'm agree with you, Baruthi. I'm gonna give it a five. Um. Yeah, actually, no. I'll go a little bit lower. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, like, a 4.8. Um. I can't really give it a five. Mm-hmm. Solid movie... I like it. Um, I got some similar uh, points that I agree with uh, on JJ about, you know, some of the dings about it. Another one, like I mentioned er earlier, it feels like it goes really fast at some points. Mm -hmm. Like if you like kind of break it down, like boom, 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 movie's done. Like it felt like it went really fast, but yet a lot of time was given because there's just a lot of scenes where you were just observing more so. At least that's what it felt like to me. Visual effects killed it. We can't talk about that enough. And it aged well, too. Like, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, you could go back and watch this, and 
still be impressed with a lot of the effects they do. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I think, an, a big gripe, though, that I'll want to add more in. Um, for as much as him being a, a big prodigy and as what how fast he was learning this stuff, which I liked, you really didn't see him do a lot of other magic, if you think about it. The time zone was like his... And, is like his biggest feat, like using the time stone. Yeah. But other than that, like if you really think about like just the stuff he was doing, really didn't show off a lot of like, you know, like him being a, a prodigy in this field. And I wish they would have done more because I feel like you could have, I, I don't know. I just, that's a personal thing. I think I, I wish we would have seen him do more different types of magic especially in combat, which I'm grateful, like, in Infinity War, you yeah. see that because, like, which I'm glad they fixed that later on, but, like, in this one, that's what was holding a lot of it back in some of these action scenes. Like, I wanted to see him do more. Right. That's a fair point. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, yeah, I, in my personal rankings, I probably have this, like, 15th or 16th, so, I mean, it's not too low but it's not too high i have it at like the bottom of the b tier um so uh yeah so that um i agree you know i also think dr strange's future appearances are better than in this movie so infinity war like incredible so um yeah 4.85 it is officially number eight it is under the first iron man just okay just by point oh two so what's it right above uh it's above guardians of the galaxy so oh yeah the first one okay so oh yeah no i think that's a good spot yeah um kearney you have anything to say after listening to us talk about dr strange or even just a list yeah Yeah. i mean it is on my uh watch list and i've heard that the visual effects are incredible and you guys definitely did a lot to reinforce that so i'll have to check that out soon i regret not doing it before this but uh Fucking lazy. I mean, me. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be lazy. That's what we want, man. Come on. Yeah. Well, you're gonna have a lot more to say coming up in Guardians too. So we're gonna oh we're gonna have we're probably gonna have like a cage match of two v two coming up with Curdy and I against Will and JJ. So this is going to be. Travis Nerd Double War Edition. <laughs> Will and I are really disappointed if Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting you're gonna get a lot of disagreements uh yeah so coming up we're gonna take an intermission and then we'll get into guardians too so we'll see you when we get back